All right, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And I'm going to share with you a message called, Have You Been Born Again? And toward the end of the message today, I will um, uh, show you the interview with Jason Witten that I did. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, this is an obvious question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's referring to natural birth because the womb is a womb of water, and the spirit, that's referring to spiritual birth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, natural birth, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, spiritual birth. Do not marvel that I said to you, now I want you to watch these words carefully, you must be born again. You must be born again. Now, I just want to show you quickly three things from this passage. Here's number one. You must be born again. Jesus didn't say you ought to consider this. You might want to think about this. You might want to just combine this with all the other religions in the world and see what you come up with. Here's what he said. Nicodemus, you want to go to heaven? You want to enter the kingdom of heaven? You must be born again. Now, what's so amazing about this conversation is who he's talking to. He is talking to a church leader. He's not talking to someone who just goes to church, but a man who is a leader in church. He's talking to a man who reads his Bible, who prays. To be a Pharisee, you had to fast twice a week. I don't fast twice a week. I don't know how many of you fast twice a week. I do, though, try to fast between meals and snacks. (laughs) I want you to know that. It's a discipline that I have. He would fast twice a week. Uh, they went to, he went to church regularly. Uh, tithe, Pharisees gave 10% of their income to the church, to the local church where they went. There are a lot of people who don't do that who even think they do and because they don't actually tithe off the gross or they miss some at vacation or they, they, uh, maybe they spread their tithe around, which is not biblical either. It goes 10% to the local church. So here's a guy who does all of these things and Jesus is saying to him, you're not gonna go to heaven. You're not gonna make it unless you are born again. So he talks to a guy who attends church, prays, fasts, tithes, read the Bible. By the way, not only did Pharisees read the Bible, Pharisees had to memorize the first five books of what we would call the Old Testament, the law or the Torah. Now, I know that that doesn't impress you because you did that years ago and it's really not that hard to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. By the way, Leviticus is the book you fudge in while you're reading through the Bible in a year. Numbers and Deuteronomy. So here's a guy who knows the Bible. And let me just say, there's some more amazing things. He goes to church, he prays, he fasts, he tithes, he memorizes the Bible, and he believes in God. 
He believes in God. You say, well, yeah, but no, wait a minute. He believes in the one true God. He believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Same God you believe in. And Jesus said to him, okay, I know you go to church. I know you pray. I know you fast. I know you tithe. I know you memorize the Bible. I know you believe in God, but you're not going to heaven. This is an amazing conversation. Now, let me tell you one other thing about him. I think he also believed in Jesus because of what he said. He said something for a Jewish person to say means, I believe you're who you say you are. He said, I believe you came from God. I believe it. And then he uses the uh, verification that a Jewish person used for no one can do these signs because the signs are what verify a true prophet unless he came from God. But you remember Jesus has already been saying, I am the son of God. I am the bread of life. I I am the way to heaven. He's already saying these things. Here's what Nicodemus is saying, in my opinion. I believe it. I believe it. So here's a guy who prays, fast, ties, read the Bible, uh, goes to church, believes in God, and believes in Jesus. And Jesus said to him, you need to be born again. It's pretty amazing. Now, here's what some of you might be thinking. Well, wait a minute. You said he believed in Jesus. The Bible says you believe in Jesus, you go to heaven. Well, let's talk about that word believe. Because that word believe means to trust your life to. Uh, Let me give you another example. Many people believe in their head. They don't believe in their heart. Romans says if you believe in your heart, then you're saved. There's a difference between believing in your heart, trusting your life, and believing in your head, intellectually believing it, or ascending to it intellectually. Yes, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. There's a total difference. Um, Years ago, I went to Niagara Falls, and I saw these pictures. I'd heard the story, but I actually saw the pictures of when a famous tightrope walker came to America from France, and they stretched a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And this tightrope walker walked across Niagara Falls and back with no net. No net. Then, he, all these people, they're just cheering, you know, cheering. Hundreds of people, press there, everybody. And then here's what the tightrope walker says. How many of you people believe that I can carry a man on my back across this tightrope? Here's what they did. They said, we believe. Then he said, who wants to be that man? And one man stepped forward. And I saw the pictures. This man piggyback carried this man across Niagara Falls on a tightrope and back. One man. Now, here's my point. They all believed. One dude believed. One really believed. Would you agree? Why? Because he trusted his life. Now, listen to me carefully. There are some of you here who believe in Jesus, but you haven't given him control of your life. I'm telling you, and I don't, I'm not trying to be um, forceful with this, but if it takes forceful for you to get saved, then I need to do it. Some of you men will be in hell before your wife gets 911 on the phone. Even though you go to church and even though you believe because you haven't given control of your life to Jesus, you're still in control. And Jesus said, you must, you must be born again. Now, here's the second thing I want to tell you about this passage. Birth is radical change. Birth is radical change. Last week, uh, Josh Hamilton talked about how after he got saved, he didn't read his Bible and he didn't do things that would cause him to grow. There is growth after salvation. But can I tell you something? I think there's also growth before salvation. 
But I just want you just just follow me for a moment. Here, Hosea 9:11 says, "As for Ephraim, their glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth. Now watch this. No pregnancy. No conception. In other words, there are two steps before birth. And Jesus Himself, Jesus did this. Jesus is the one that likens salvation to birth. He said it's like being born again. That's what it's like. Okay. So in natural birth, is there growth before birth? Okay, let me ask the uh, experts here because the men are kind of like, uh, uh, I've never thought about that, Pastor. Okay. Ladies, is there growth before birth? Yes. yes. Okay. And now, ladies, let me ask you another question since I've got the experts here. Um, has a baby ever been conceived and immediately born? No. There's a nine-month period between conception and birth called Pregnancy, yes. One lady last night said hell. Well, mate, you might could say that. I, I, I guess you could use that, but we'll, we'll use the word pregnancy, okay? All right. And that even though there's joy, can, can I just, a pregnancy, you know one of the words that most people use to describe it other than hell, another word, miserable. I mean, ladies, is it as you get on down the road in the last trimester, do you get kind of more and more uncomfortable and, Again, I'm asking the ladies because the guys are like. <laughs> Miserable, right? Okay, here's the point. There, a seed is conceived. There is a time where there is growth and change, and then you get more and more miserable toward the end, and then there is radical change. You can hold this baby. You can feed this baby. You, 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 you have the baby, right? You see what I'm saying? Okay, listen. Think about some of the testimonies people say. I was saved, but I didn't change. And uh, I, I got involved in all sorts of sin and did all this stuff. Man just ran from God and did all this. And then I came, and I was miserable. That's what they say. I, I was miserable. And then I came to a place where I said, God, I can't live like this anymore. I give you everything. I sell out 100%, Lord. I totally commit to you. And this is what they'll say. And that's when the change came. Okay. Is it possible that that is when the person got saved? That before, when they say, well, I saved as a child, actually, a seed was conceived in them as a child. And, that's, and, and they'll say, yeah, but, but, that, but I did change some. Mm -hmm. Babies change, too, in the womb. They grow. Here's the reason I'm telling you this, because there's a lot of people who think they're saved that have never had that total commitment time. They've never given everything to God. And, by the way, it's tough to finally give up. It's, it's kind of like birth. We said pregnancy is miserable. Birth, probably not a great experience either in some ways, is it? Ladies, experts. You know, I, I, I have the sweetest wife in the world. Sweetest wife in the world. Uh, except when she's pregnant. <laughs> sweetest wife, though. Uh, and birth was a little different. Now, we have three children. Our first and third were C-section, okay? Uh, our second, we were very young, and we felt like we wanted to have a home birth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the ladies, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so, our first child was nine pounds, three ounces. That's why it was C-section, okay? Second child, the home birth, was nine pounds, five ounces. And I had two jobs. We had a midwife. It was in our home. I had two jobs. One was pray. The second was give Debbie Sprite. <laughs> I don't know why, but give her Sprite. She needs Sprite. And so I would, uh, I would pray, I'd, and then I'd come in the room every now and then. I tried not to go in very much, but I'd come in, and the midwife said to me one time, said, give her some Sprite. 
So I had a little cup there with the straw with the little crook in it and all, and so I put it up to her mouth, and she looked at me, and she said, I don't want any. <laughs> and so I said to the midwife, she doesn't want any. <laughs> and the midwife said, give it to her anyway. So I put it back up to her mouth, and she looked at me, and she said, I said I didn't want any. <laughs> so birth is tough. <laughs> Pregnancy's tough. But when birth comes, it's a complete change. Jesus said, you must be born again. And by the way, this word again in the Greek is translated many times from above. It's another way to think about it. You must, you've been born from below. You now must be born from above. You must be born spiritually. So here, here's number three. Have you been born again? How can I know? Let me say that. How can I know if I've been born again? How can I know? How can I know if I've been born again? Now, a lot of people said to me, well, Pastor, um, do you have to remember the date? Uh, I was actually saved February the 16th, 1981. So this last week was my 29th spiritual birthday. So if you are wondering, how old is the pastor? 29. <laughs> I'm not counting those other years, all right? So, uh, but I know the date. But there are other people who say, well, well, pastor, do you I don't know the date. Do you have to remember the date? Okay, listen to me. No, you don't have to remember the date. I, I kind of liken it to being married. You might forget the date that you got married once, But you don't forget that someone moved in with you and has been living with you ever since and your life radically changed, right? For, for the better, for, for the better, sugar, for the better. <laughs> it's the same way, listen, when you get saved, listen to me carefully, someone moves in with you and has been living with you since that time. Something changes in your life. So I, I want to, how can you know if you've been born again? Well, here's what I want to do. I want to take a pen, a ballpoint pen, and show you an illustration you'll never forget so you can know for sure if you've been saved or when it happened. Because a lot of people are confused about when it happened. They say, well, I got saved. Or I'll even have people say this, well, you know, I was saved when I was eight. But, but it could have been when I was 15. It was eight or 15, one or the other. Now, can you imagine? For, or people don't know if they're saved. I say, are you saved? I say, I don't know. I, I think I am. Now, can you imagine? Let's just liken it to marriage again. If you said to me after the service, Pastor Robert, are you married? Well, I think I am. Um, yes. Yes, I would have to say I'm married. Well, what would you think? Cuckoo, right? <laughs> Listen to me. That's, what, that's really what I think. When I, when I say to people, are you saved? And they say, mm. well, I think I am. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You're not. You're not. Because you didn't meet the same Jesus I met. I, I know that I met Jesus in that motel room. I know it. Or how about this one? When did it happen? Okay, let's just, again, marriage. Pastor Robert, when did you get married? <sighs> That's always been a tough one for me. Um... It could have been when I was eight. Um, might have been when I was 19 or 25. Eight, 19, or 25. What would you think again? Cuckoo, right? Okay. I asked Bill. I said, when were you saved? Well, that's always been tough for me. 
Could have been when I was eight. Could be, okay, listen. I'm going to show you with this pen how you know for sure when it happened or if it's ever happened. But before I do, I want to show you this interview with Jason Witten. Now, uh, I do have something too. If you'll, you might look at your bulletin, and if you have in the upper right-hand corner of your bulletin a number 82, I need you to let me know. Someone, there's one person in this service that has a number 82. Let me see. Ah, come here. Come up here. There you go. Signed by Jason Witten. And you can keep the bullet. And you know, um, I want to ask one more question, and you'll have to answer me. I want to know what lady here is the most radical Jason Witten fan. Okay. All right. Come here. Come here. I got one more. <laughs> okay, yeah, you, you win. You don't have to answer around. <laughs> okay, let me show you uh, the interview I had with Jason Witten. Watch this. Hey, everyone. This is really exciting for me because I'm sitting here with uh, my favorite player with my favorite team, Jason Witten of the Dallas Cowboys. He's the leading receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. He's been in the NFL for seven years, and he's gone to the Pro Bowl six of those years. And he has uh, more receptions than uh, just about any tight end. He's he got all sorts of records. When I read the page, there were just too many to, to list. Uh, but we all love him and appreciate him very much. And uh, so I'm glad you're here. And I have to tell you, as a Cowboys fan, it's exciting to uh, be sitting here with you. Yeah, well, I'm excited to be here, too. And I might have to take you everywhere I go to, to get an introduction like that. So I uh, appreciate that and excited to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. And uh, so my first question for you is, how do you like being a member of Gateway Church? I love it. <laughs> I love every bit of it. So um, I remember the first time my wife and I came, uh, some friends of ours told us about it. And, he was a former teammate of mine and asked us to come one week and, and so we started coming and just fell in love with it and just what an amazing church and the people in it are just uh, incredible to be a part of and worship the Lord together. Well, we're, we're glad you're there and, and I know I see you uh, nearly every week uh, if you're not out of town and I appreciate that, your hunger and your love for the Lord. Okay, so tell me, tell me about your family. Well, I have a, a beautiful wife, Michelle, who were high school sweethearts. And um, so we went to college together at the, the real UT, Tennessee. And, uh, <laughs> and we have uh, two little boys, CJ and Cooper, and they're three and almost two. So just uh, awesome family, just amazing uh, how blessed I've been with them and, and to have children, have them be a part of, of my career in life and just uh, want my legacy to be so much more through that than, than football. I want to ask you a couple of football questions. Uh, uh, what is it like to make a touchdown in the NFL to catch a pass that, that maybe saves the game and, and maybe even your first touchdown. What, what, what's that like? Well, the, the feeling's just remarkable. I mean, I think uh, to play the game at the, at the highest level and to think of all the work that's gone in to get to that point 
and uh, in the course of the week that happens and so much of it is, is so tough at this level and to, to be able to make a key play in that game to have a turning point in, in the outcome it's just uh, it's a remarkable feeling and um, and your first touchdown <laughs> well I never will forget my, my first year was with coach Bill Parcells and tough coach tough and coach. yeah and and a grinding kind of guy and I remember I scored my first touchdown, and, and the deal in NFL, different from colleges, you can spike it, or the, the end zone dance, as we say. Yeah. And uh, I kind of look like I don't know what I'm really doing, and so I just spike it as hard as I can. As uh, I see him in the locker room later on that day, he just kind of looks at me, and, and I'm thinking, good job, Jason, you know, congratulations. Act like you've been there before. So uh, it was a humbling day on the <laughs> first day I scored my first touchdown. <laughs> That's great. Howie Long says you're the toughest man in the NFL. <laughs> you've had broken bones and kept playing. And uh, there's a story about you, uh, no helmet, no problem. You want to tell me about that story? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing how just a few plays can define your career. And, and uh, that one certainly has for me. And um, it was a game at Philadelphia on the road and a meaningful game for our, our team and Monday night. and. Tony kind of led me across the middle, and he must have not seen that safety, or at least he says he did, and, and uh, threw a, a seam pass right up the middle. And I, I caught it, but as I was catching it, the uh, guy takes my helmet off, rips my helmet off, and uh, I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, grace of God, I kept running and, and uh, got tackled four or five yards from the touchdown. And um, that's where the no helmet, no problem uh, slogan comes from, and just amazing play. and, and uh, you know, I was mad at Tony a little bit for, for throwing that ball, but it was great to get that opportunity. I remember that play. I actually saw that, and uh, as your pastor, I started praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that. The next morning, there was a few headaches for sure. Now, obviously, you're a Christian, and you believe in Jesus, but all of us kind of take a journey. And no so question. tell me about your journey accepting Christ. Well, I was, I had a, my parents got a divorce at an early age, and the struggles there, and um, was fortunate that, by the grace of God, my grandparents really brought my brothers and I in and um, was introduced to, to Jesus and, and going to church every week and Sunday school in, in Tennessee and really got to know that. But it wasn't until later in my life that I was saved and understood what God's grace was all about and just uh, the bigger meaning in my life. Okay, and so tell me, tell me how that happened. What, what brought you to that place where you really gave Jesus control in your life? Well, my wife, Michelle, I mean, just seeing her life and knowing that. And uh, there was other influential people in, in my career. Um, but just to see that and knowing, and my thoughts was, there's got to be something deeper than this. There's got to be something more than just being a really good football player. And, you know, the purpose of, of my life, what was it going to be? And ultimately, that's bring glory to God in my calling. And I think for all of us, that's a, a search that you're on and to truly give God control of your life and um, allow him to use you through those blessings. Yeah, and you know, one thing I appreciate about you is that you don't just, uh, you didn't just give your life to God and then not follow through. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, if you're not out of town, uh, I, I see you in church. <laughs> and uh, I know you read your Bible and you, you pray and you're, you're going on, you're building your relationship right. with the Lord, right? Absolutely, and I, and I think that's where it is, where it has to be at as far as where your walk is and searching God more. And I think that Gateway does a great job of that and obviously with you leading the way. But um, so much of who we are, sometimes we get lost in that and knowing that we got to get in that intimate relationship with God. And that's the process. That's what it's all about. And 
I think um, while you're on that journey and you realize that, that um, that's when blessings and grace and the joy that comes with being a follower of Christ. Okay, well I have a very, very important question for you. And that is, will the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl next year? <laughs> uh, uh, along with everybody else, yeah. I'm wondering the same thing. So let's cross our fingers. I, I think we have a really good team. And, um, you know, that was a big step for us to, to be able to win a playoff game and, and make the steps forward. But we have a great team and a great leadership. I think of Tony and the way he's played. It's just um, we're heading in the right direction. And I'm just so excited about what this team is going to be in the future. You know, a lot of people watching, we, we don't play sports. We don't lose a game, but we still lose. We Absolutely. lose in life. So what what do you do when, when you lose? Well, that's the ongoing question, I think. And I think for us, it's you bounce back. You know, you put your two front feet in front of you and, and you move forward. And um, so many of those struggles happen every day. And they think that because you're a professional football player, or, uh, because you're a pastor, you, you don't have those struggles. And that's not the case. But by God's grace, we're able to do that and um, just be a shining light in, in a locker room, in a football field, and in an industry where it's it's okay to be able to stand apart and, and be different in that, that aspect. And that's the, the search that I'm on. That's great. Okay, I, I do have an important question for you. It's more important than going to the Super Bowl. Uh, and that is, you, you've been very blessed, you've been very successful in your career, uh, but what is the one thing that you cannot live without? That's, that's easy, that's Jesus. And I think um, when I realize that, that my life has is, is changed because I know that. And um, every day you still fail, you still struggle. Those things are, are no different. You're not immune to that. But I know what my purpose is, I know where my life is, and I know what I'm doing it all for, and that's God, and that's Jesus. And um, once you have that viewpoint and understanding of it, your life will never be the same. I, I do want to let you know, though, as, as Jason's pastor, I did straighten him out on that UT comment. Oh, I want you to know. So um, I was also thinking about, he said that they were invited here by former teammate, that's Kenyon Coleman, who played four years with the Cowboys, was with Oakland, went to the Super Bowl. He's with the Browns now, and Kenyon's in this service. Do you mind, Kenyon and Katie Coleman, would you guys stand up? Stand up there. Come on. Kenyon is a tremendous witness for the Lord and actually uh, does a Bible study earlier with the players of um, at Cleveland and was telling me about half the players now are coming to the chapel and team chapel, and I just think it's wonderful to be a witness. Okay, well, how do you know? How do you know if you've been born again? It's very, you need to, you need to be able to answer this question because according to Jesus, you're either gonna go to heaven or not by this one thing, if you've been born again, born from above, born spiritually. So let me give you this understanding of natural and spiritual birth. When I was born, naturally, I was going the wrong way. Every one of us are born with a sin nature. I can prove that very easily by telling you this. You don't have to teach your children to be bad. It comes naturally for them. <laughs> Is that right? You have to teach them to be good. So we're all, every one of us here, are born going the wrong way. But my parents took me to church growing up. 
and they tried to help me to do the right thing, and they taught me about Jesus. And I knew I needed to be going the other way, but I just couldn't seem to do it. When I got into my teenage years, I began hanging out with the wrong crowd. I started smoking when I was 13. I started drugs when I was 14. And then the drugs didn't seem to satisfy. And so I kept going to harder and harder drugs. By the time I was 16 years old, I was using speed and cocaine and things like that. And I was totally messed up. Here's the thing. My parents kept taking me to church. I kept going to church. I just could not do the right thing. And because I was going this way, going the wrong way, but I knew I was supposed to be going the other way, I would try and change. I would say, no, no, not going to do any more drugs. I'm going to straighten up. And I'd put pressure on myself. And it was just like this. Oh, no, I need to go the other way. No, 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 I'm not going to get No, no, boom. And I'd go right back and do the same thing. And every one of you here can relate to this. And in that motel room, I got saved in a motel room. When I was 19 years old, I said to God, God, I can't change. I have been trying to change, and I can't change. And then I remember I said this to God. I don't even know if you want me or not. But if you want me, you can have me. And I said, God, I give you complete control of my life from now on. And here's what happened. In my heart, God reached down from heaven and went, just like that. He just changed my heart. I didn't want to do drugs anymore. I didn't want to do those things. I wanted to do the right thing. And here's what I've learned. Since then, now that I'm a believer, a Christian, If I put pressure on myself, I can do the wrong thing. But I have to put pressure on myself now to do the wrong thing. In other words, I can say, no, no, I'm not going to forgive her. No, 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 I'm not going to Okay, I'll forgive her. (laughs) Because I want to forgive her. Before, I didn't want to forgive. But I want to now. Because I've been born from above. My heart was going the wrong way. God changed it when I gave him control of my life. And now it's going the right way. So here's what I want to know. When did that happen in your life? When did you stop going your way and start going God's way? Whenever that happened, that's when you got saved. I don't care whether you walked down an aisle or what. That's when you got saved. But listen to me. If it's never happened, you've never been saved. Even if you say you believe in God, even if you say you believe in Jesus, if you've not stopped going your way and started going God's way, you haven't been born again yet. But here's the good news. You can be born again today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You're not here by accident. You're here because the Holy Spirit is drawing you. Maybe you saw an ad on... uh, ESPN radio, maybe you had, maybe someone invited you as a friend, but you're here because God's been drawing you. God loves you, and he wants to change your life. He's the only one that can change your life. He's the only one that has the power to change your life. I want to help you. If you'd like to give your life to the Lord today, 
I want to lead you in a prayer. Just similar to what I prayed in that motel room. And as I pray out loud, I want you just to pray this prayer in your heart silently. And if you really want to give your life to God, and I think many of you do, and I think many of you realize, I've never been born again. I believe, I've gone to church, I've tried, but I need that experience where God reaches down and changes my heart. I need that. If you need that and you want to give your life to the Lord, as I pray out loud, I want you to just pray this prayer in your heart. Just no matter which campus you're attending, if you're in one of the overflow rooms, South Lake, North Richland Hills, Harkins, if you'd like to give your life to the Lord right now, I want you to just, just pray this in your heart. Just tell him, dear God, tell him that, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned. I know I've done things wrong. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin and to come into my life right now. And I receive Jesus. Just tell him that. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant business with God, no one's looking around. If you prayed that prayer and you meant business with God, would you just put your hand up where I can see it? Put it way up high. Put it way up, way up high. You ought to be proud to put it up. You ought to be proud to put it up. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. I prayed that prayer and I really meant it. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Now, if you prayed that prayer and, and you just raised your hand, just those that raised your hand at, at all three campuses, would you just lift your head up a little bit and look at me for a minute? I want to just tell you something, all right? If you prayed that prayer, I want to tell you something. I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You made the best decision you'll ever make in your life. I promise you. This is what happened to me in that motel room. Now, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, okay? And please don't let Satan talk you out of this. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, we're going to stand, and when we stand, I'm going to, we're going to have leaders at the front at all the campuses, North Richland Hills and Harkins. I'm going to ask you, if you pray that prayer, to come to one of the leaders and tell them, I gave my life to the Lord. Here's the reason I'm asking you to do that. It's very important. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. So I'm asking you just to tell one person, one of our leaders. The Bible also says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So in just a moment, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand. When we stand, I want you just to just step out from your seat. Just step out. Come to one of the leaders. Again, no matter which campus you're attending or if you're in an overflow room. And just tell one of the leaders, I gave my life to the Lord today. All right? Make up your mind. Don't let the devil rob you of this. All right? All right, let me pray. And then if you prayed that prayer, I want you to come tell one of the leaders, Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for every person that prayed that prayer today. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help them now to come to confess to one of the leaders to say, not to confess their sins or their past, but to simply say with their mouth, I, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen.